Instead of syncing your phone with iTunes, downloading an MP3 into your mobile device, you can stream episodes of MTR with the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Stitcher allows you to listen to My Take Radio via your 4G, 3G, or Wi-Fi connections. Downloading it is quick and easy. Head over to stitcher.com forward slash my take and you'll even be eligible to win some money. Enter my take all one word in the promo box and you'll be eligible to win $100 courtesy of my take radio and Stitcher. MTR Live starts right now. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's going on, guys? My Take Radio, episode 144, for Thursday, June 28th, 2012. Our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, our live call-in number is 347-324-3541. A couple of things I figured I would mention regarding that. For those of you that want to call and listen to the show and don't have access to a computer, you can listen via the call-in line. Just do not hit one to come on air, and you'll be able to listen via your phone. Again, that call-in number is 347-324-3541. Our feedback line is 347-815-0687, 347-815-0MTR. A quick reminder, if you don't want your message to be played on air, please make sure to specify it at the start of the recording. All right, let's get some housekeeping out of the way, of course. We got a lot of new fans this week on the Facebook fan page. Wanted to extend a warm welcome to all the new fans and hope they enjoy all the content we've been posting. MTR's fan page and its website was a little quiet the last couple of days for a few reasons. Um, had some guests, some out-of-town guests this week that were visiting me. Had a birthday, a couple of crap, you know, a couple of things going on. But, um, yeah, we're back. We're ready to rock and roll. We got... Uh, Ben is going to be calling in for some for some MMA, excuse me, and Blade and Quark will be calling in to talk some wrestling. We're going to talk about Raw. We're going to talk about the status of Buried, which a few people have actually asked why there hasn't been a new Buried this week, amongst other things. And, of course, all our usual news. Get Glue check-ins are still active. Please make sure to check in to Get Glue for My Take Radio. We really appreciate it. You can check in via the site. Or just go to Get Glue and type in My Take Radio, and you can check in that way. We got a couple of new articles up. We got a review for The Gray from good old DK. We also have some MMA stuff from Ben. We got a couple of trailers that will be dropping within the next couple of hours. I also have reviews upcoming for Prometheus and Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, which I got to check out both movies 
this past weekend. So be on the lookout for that on MyTakeRadio.com later tonight or at some point during the day Friday. Also, we will be recording a new MTR behind the mic and an MTR beyond the mic within the next two weeks with some really cool guests. I'm not at liberty to say anything yet other than that because I'm still finalizing a couple of things, but be on the lookout for that. Tonight's topics, we're going to talk a little bit about this past weekend's two UFC events. Ben's going to be giving me the assist on that. We're also going to talk about WWE Raw, TNA Impact, the status of Buried, plus some wrestling news with everyone's favorite dynamic duo of Buried, Blade and Quark. They'll be joining us. Also, we got some video game news, and we got your What the Fuck movie news bundled in with all the other movie news for this week. Uh, Before I get into... This week's show, I wanted to talk about what went on this past week. Um, Took a couple of days off after last week's live MTR. Um, Spent some time with with some family, you know, like I said, celebrate the whole birthday thing. And during that time, a couple of things came to my attention. And it's regarding just uh, branding. And in some respects, I want to say it was a moment of clarity. And the reason I say that is because... You know, I do MTR, we're on the verge of 150 episodes, it's a very big milestone. Um, Since we started MTR, a lot of great things have happened. We are on Stitcher, we're on TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, iTunes, we got two apps, Uh, we got amazing traffic, we got great fans, great downloads, but one thing that's always bothered me was the fact that our fans, for some reason, still continue to be separated based on the interest that the show covers. This isn't even in response to people complaining about segments or anything. On the contrary, uh, people have been saying great things about the show as of late, uh, especially improvements in audio quality, etc., etc. But the crazy thing is that the show in and of itself has been, I don't know, it's been, there's certain things I still want to change, and for some reason... What the hell is going on? It seems that they're telling me that the show is showing that there are eight minutes left. Huh. Let's uh, take a look at this and see what the hell is going on. Bear with me one second. Let's make that fix. Seems that uh, for some reason it had the show listed at 15 minutes. Why? I don't know. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, let's see what it says here. Let's see if I get the boot. There we go. Two hours and 51 minutes to go. Craziness. Craziness, I tell you. Anyway, as I was saying before, Blog Talk Radio went completely bananas. Slick just informed me that the studio says we have two hours and 50 minutes. Seems that that Blog Talk Radio had the show listed as a 15-minute show. That would be fucking impossible because we're insane. Anyway, as I was saying, you know, with 150 episodes that we've put in, there, there's a lot of stuff in MTR that has grown. We've got a lot of guest posters on the site now. The ladies from Insert Geek here, uh, Megan from Slingshot SEO, who's been doing some stuff with us. But that's not all that I have planned for MTR. And come the 150th episode, um, hopefully we're going to unveil a bunch of other cool shit that we're doing with MTR I can't go into too many details because, like anything else, anything can fall apart at a moment's notice, but you're going to start seeing some really, really awesome shit in the coming weeks. All I will tell you is, 
stay tuned, keep an eye on the fan page, and keep an eye on the website as well for potential announcements. You've already seen a lot of advertisers on MTR. You've seen a lot of crazy stuff going on there. And um, it's it's growing. That's all I'm going to say. It is growing. So the other thing I did want to talk about was something unrelated to the show that we saw in Times well in Times Square at the Port Authority bus terminal on Tuesday. Uh, myself, Blade, and Quark, uh, who were returning to their respective homes, were in the Port Authority bus terminal online, and um, somebody decided that it would be a smart idea to leave their bag on the bus terminal line and disappear. Now, those of you that are that obviously don't live under a fucking rock know that post 9-11, New York City is a powder keg waiting to explode. When you go to Penn Station, when you go to the Port Authority, when you go to the Empire State Building, the Statue of Liberty, there is an increased police presence there. To the point where you have soldiers with assault rifles, bomb-sniffing dogs, random bag checks, etc., etc., etc. Now, obviously, this has all happened because of, um, you know, this all happened because of 9/11 and Al Qaeda and those fucking assholes in the Middle East. But the crazy thing is that people they get this false sense of security that shit cannot still pop off here in New York City. So. As we were waiting there for Blade and Quark to return to their respective homes at the Port Authority Terminal, like I said, this lady takes it upon herself to leave her bag and walk away. Now, this was a fairly large bag, and if there's one thing we've learned, especially seeing news from Israel and a lot of places, is that if you see a fucking bag randomly placed anywhere, you get the fuck away. You get away. So everybody that was on the line kind of moved away. You know, I told Blade and Quark to, to move it and get to their bus and get the hell out of Dodge so we can get the fuck out of there. So this lady comes running back to get her bag. I don't know if she went to the bathroom to take a shit or, or do a line of coke or God knows whatever the fuck it is. But that lady is a complete bag of dicks. That's what she is. And the reason I say that is because regardless of what state you're from or what kind of a tourist you are, you should fucking know better than to do some stupid shit like that. Not only because it's completely dangerous, but also because you would practically upset the entire commute of everybody in that terminal if the police and the military had to shut it down for fear that it was an explosive device. It's it's insanity. It's insanity that somebody can be that fucking stupid. It boggles my mind. And I had to reference it only because there are a lot of people that listen to the show that aren't New York City residents from other states and other countries. And I just wanted to put a disclaimer out there. If you come to New York and you behave like a fucking tourist, you will be treated like shit. If you're in Midtown Manhattan, do not stop and take a picture of the Empire State Building with your iPad because you will get you will probably get punched in the back of the head by a crazy homeless person and your iPad will be stolen. This is the kind of fuckery I saw in the streets of New York City. And I'm talking Midtown Manhattan, 42nd Street and 8th Avenue and 7th Avenue. You're running around taking pictures of shit with your giant iPad and, and, and you get busted upside the head and have it stolen. You're a fucking idiot. 
Simple as that. If you're walking through the city and you see that it is completely crowded, do not stop to take a picture of the New York Times building with your iPhone and your giant rolling bag. People need to fucking get to where they have to go. Please, don't be a complete shithead. Thank you. But this is the kind of shit that happens, and and I'm not even shitting on tourists because I like, you know, that they they love our city and they get to spend money here and it's great and whatever, but just, just don't be complete fucking morons. If the light is flashing not to fucking walk, don't wander into the street because a cab will run your ass over at a moment's notice. The yellow cabs do not give a fuck about you. You will be a permanent hood ornament. And they may just leave your ass there. This is the kind of shit that happens here. And and it's crazy because these tourists, they think, oh, you know, it's New York, it's fantastic, but you really should study up on shit before you get here. And the whole leaving your bag in the fucking bus terminal and nobody knowing where the fuck you are and the bag look real sketchy anyway, complete madness, ladies and gentlemen, madness. It, it's 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 mind numbingly it's mind numbing and sickening at the same time, the kind of shit that we see from tourists, and and you know not to even say that we New Yorkers are terrible and rude pieces of shit. Don't get me wrong, most of us are, but we also we try to be helpful where we can. But sometimes the stupidity of tourists cannot be fucking helped. Can't shit can't be helped. They're not bright. Do not leave. Please, if you're coming to New York City and you're visiting Times Square or any area that is high traffic, please, common sense, don't leave random fucking bags anywhere. Don't take pictures of of buildings with iPads. Don't wander into traffic when the man is clearly flashing not to fucking walk. There are quick ways for you to get hurt, get killed, or worse, get arrested and end up in the tombs. You do not want to end up in the tombs, ladies and gentlemen. When you get, if somebody gets arrested and they end up in the tombs, it is going to be a long day for them. Don't do dumb shit, folks. That's all I'm saying when you come here. All right. That's going to, that's going to wrap up this week's monologue. We got some MMA to discuss. I know Ben is on the line. There's a lot of crazy shit. Um, Quark is probably going to be joining us. Not sure if Blade is going to be joining us as well, but let's talk some MMA and get this party started. I got Ben on the air with me. We're going to talk some MMA this week. Ben, what's going on, brother? Not much. What's up, man? Nothing, man. It feels like ages since you've been in there. <laughs> been a minute. Well, obviously you wrote about UFC on FX4. You wrote about UFC 147. I want to start with um, UFC on FX4 because it was, you know, the earliest. And it was the one that people were the most vocal about. Before I get into what you dislike about the card, what you disliked about the card, what what was one of the the high points on the card for you? What was one of the fights that jumped out? Um, I had to say the uh, Cub Swanson Ross Pearson fight just because I didn't really I didn't give Cub Swanson that much of a chance in the fight. Cub Swanson, I mean he, he's a good fighter, but uh, I, I thought that uh, Ross Pearson was going to be able to box him up and and really um, put the snap on him. But uh, Cub came in there with throwing capoeira kicks and throwing all sorts of crazy things and. Eventually got a, 
very nice TKO style picture. I also like the uh, T.J. Wahlberger, uh, Brian Ebersol fight. Not because it was the most exciting fight, but T.J. Wahlberger's jiu-jitsu game is just fun to watch if you like if you like grappling. Like he he that's how you should do jiu-jitsu in MMA. Look, the way T.J. Wahlberger does, it. even though he lost, that's how you should go for submission. I was I I enjoyed um I got to see the Matt Brown Luis Ramos fight, and Matt Brown continues yeah. to impress me. Dude definitely is 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 solidifying himself as a guy to keep an eye on. Also, that uh, Chris Camozzi fight, that doctor stoppage for that cut, that cut was bananas. I didn't even get to see those fights. Like I was uh, I was out of town until like the main card. Like I got in right when the main card started, so I didn't get to see any of the prelim fights. And and of course, yeah, the Cub Swanson fight was a very good fight. I think I think Cub Swanson's another one of those guys that. You know, he's, they're coming out. He's one of those guys coming out of a very athletic camp. So you know that yeah. you're gonna, you're not going to get the regular run of the mill shit with guys from that camp. Cub Swanson went in there to give us an entertaining fight, and he delivered. It was it was beautiful from start to finish. Um, I was bummed with the way it went for um, Spencer Fisher in that Sam Stout fight. That fight was it, that, Stout definitely showed a different side of him of himself in this fight. And, you know, I was bummed to see it go down the way it did. You know, the, people are saying that Fisher may retire after this. But, I don't think he'll retire, but um, it, it was a fun, it was a, it was a nice fight. I mean, I don't think there was any reason for there to be a third fight between them. Like, it's not one of those trilogies that I was, well, I don't think really anyone was like, oh, man, I got to see this third fight. But it was a fun little lightweight fight. I mean, um. Uh, I don't think Spencer Fisher is going to retire. Uh, and Sam Stout, Sam Stout's a good lightweight. Um, he's never going to be like win a title or anything, but he's a good fun lightweight to watch. Yeah, I think I think the the thing with with guys like him are that you really they've been around. They're almost mainstays in, in these in their respective divisions. A lot of these guys, and and they've gone to jump around weight a little bit. So you almost expect to see them fight. So to hear, um, you know, to hear shit like that. It's a little disheartening, you know, because Sam Stout, for as long as the UFC's been on television, you've seen him in a, in a card or two. Same thing with Spencer Fisher, you know. Yeah, yeah. There were there were there were some of the original lightweights when the UFC got lightweights back, because um, you know they weren't in the UFC for a while. When they got back, Sam Stout and Spencer Fisher were were two of the original lightweights that came back. So, I mean, those guys they 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 still put on great fights. I don't I don't think either one of them ever hold the title anywhere, but they still put on really good fights. And now, of course, the big one, the one that everybody, even even the, the president of the UFC is shitting on, Maynard Clay Guida. Let's, um, first off, before I get your thoughts on it, I will tell you this. I'm, I'm a big Clay Guida mark. I am. The guy goes in there, just a, a, a ball of energy bouncing all over the place. Whenever he goes in there, he delivers probably some of the most spectacular fights we've seen. The guy has an impressive highlight reel. He has an impressive resume. And whenever anybody gets in there to fight him, you know you're in for an entertaining fight. So I expected him being in there with Gray Maynard, who has a reputation for, you know, being a sprawl and brawl fighter, that we were going to get something different. Clearly, that's not the way it went. But a lot of people are, are saying, you know, it, it, it's, um, you know, it's the, it's the uh, talking about, you know, getting some fans and sticking to game plans. I honestly think that Guida came in there trying to show a different dimension to his fighting style than usual, and it just didn't go over the way he thought. 
I mean, some people are saying it was, you know, him being elusive. Some people are saying it was footwork. Other people are saying it was running. When you see a guy consistently fight a certain way and he comes in there fighting completely different, either something was going on, he may have been injured, who knows? But to, to make the assertion that it was just, you know, that he phoned it in is kind of tough from a guy who's given us so many five-star performances. How'd you see, how, how'd you okay. see the fight? How'd you see the fight? And, you know, do you agree with some of the really, really, really negative comments? And what's your opinion on it? Well, I was one of them really, really negative comments. Of um, course you were. <laughs> I kind of, <laughs> the thing with Clay is, though Clay Guida has had great fights, the fight with Roger Hunter, uh, the fight with uh, uh, Diego Sanchez, the fights with uh, Anthony Pettis, he's had great fights. But a lot of times, people forget he's also had extremely bad fights. Yes, uh, he has. Diaz. He fought Nate Diaz. That fight, he humped Nate Diaz's legs for a win. Like he, there are times when Clay Guida goes into uber conservative wrestler mode, and in this fight, that shit wasn't gonna work. Great Manor, he wasn't gonna take Great Manor down. So, and standing in the pocket, Great Manor really wasn't gonna work. So he was kind of stuck in this okay, well, I'm going to use my footwork and, uh, pop, uh, you know, stick and move from the outside. The problem with that is, if you're not a good enough striker to do that, you end up running around. Yep. The difference between, and I see a lot of people on the Internet say this is like Carlos Condit's Nick Diaz fight. It's not. It's not the same thing at all. Carlos Condit was hitting Nick Diaz. He outstruck Nick Diaz that entire fight. He just so happened to have better footwork than Nick Diaz. Craig Maynard, on the other hand, wasn't getting outstruck. Craig Maynard was just, like, running around trying to catch Clay Guida, who at multiple times in the fight turned around and ran. Straight up started running. There's a complete difference in that style of fighting. Well, I personally... Go ahead. I've never been a huge Clay Guida fan. Um, not that he's a bad fighter or anything. I've just, I just never been a huge fan. I enjoy watching his fights. But this fight, I, but I've always respected him as a guy who came in and fight, fought. In this fight, he wasn't trying to fight. I, I don't care what he says. I don't care what he claims the game plan was. He wasn't trying to fight. Because there were times where he would throw feints and then run. Like, he wasn't throwing anything with any kind of conviction to hit anyone. Like, he'd throw a couple feints and then take off running. Or he'd do an ollie shuffle. The, the reason the ollie shuffle was cool is because people hit you while they're doing it. He, he's shuffling. They're not throwing any punches. They're just running around like, hey, you can't hit me. That's great, but you look like a bitch running around the cage. Like, it's just not. And and then and then when Gray Manor drops his hands and he lets him hit him, does nothing, no damage. Like, it's just, it's, it's. For Clay Guida to come out and, and do a disservice to his fans in that fashion, it's disappointing to me. You're coming in there to fight. You're not coming in there to run around. Game plans are great. Game plans are excellent, but if your game plan doesn't involve a means of attack, then it's a failure. True. Players playing it simple. Well, it, the the reason I I looked at it, it, I understand your frustration as well as the frustration of many fans. But the funny thing is that you got two guys that are that are wrestlers, and neither one of those guys was looking to rely on their wrestling. Maynard wanted to go in there and, and and trade, and we know Maynard has good hands, and Guida was not having any of it. Now, again, it, he's probably not going to admit it, dude, but for to see such a, 
a, a, a huge change in his fighting style, something else had to be going on. They may never own up to it. I don't think he's they a- they may never admit it, but it, it it was way it was way too weird. See the thing with Clay Guida is though he always moves like right. he did it. He he always against better strikers. He always got that really funky movement. It was just like for some reason it was like that really funky movement amped up with nothing else. And it's I don't know if anything was wrong with him. Um, it's hard to say because. I mean, when you're running like that, it's hard for me to. And if something was wrong with a knee or something, where you couldn't like shoot for a takedown, and you you were running just fine. So it's just like it's it's to me like I have no problem with game plan, but if there's no means of attack, you know that game plan is false or it's faulty. And if anyone is out there like blaming Greg Jackson, those people don't. First of all, you don't know all Greg Jackson's fighters because anyone who blames Greg Jackson for having boring fighters. Doesn't know all Greg Jackson's fighters. That is he, true. He has Leonard Garcia. Leonard Garcia doesn't even know how to fight in a game plan. No, he's going out there throwing windmills. He—that's all he does. He has Cub Swanson. There was nothing boring about Cub Swanson's fight. Cub Swanson is a Greg Jackson fighter. Yep. Nothing boring about that fight. The problem. So, the I problem mean, for anyone to be like, "Oh, it's Greg Jackson's fault." That's ludicrous. Well, you know what the problem is? It's very easy to make a scapegoat out of anybody. I mean. Dana White, and this is why sometimes I get frustrated with him, because he legit was like, that fight sucked. And, you know, he was like, oh, you know, guys running in circles. This isn't fucking Dancing with the Stars. You can't win a fight by running circles. It's like, dude, you are an executive. You're not a fighter. And and I always hate that he goes, I don't like that he dogs out these guys, dude, because it's like, when you do that, thinking that it's, you know, it's the cool thing to do and that you're speaking for the fans, you're shitting on a guy who's on your payroll. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? mean? There's it, a right way it, and a wrong way to do I it. Enjoy- oh. No, what I was saying was there's a right. right way and a wrong way to do it. He could have just as been like, Dana, how'd you feel about the fight? Eh, not 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 Clay's greatest performance, but, you know, it, it, it happens. And leave it at that. Dude, it's on yeah. fucking FX. It's not, like you're, it's not like you're telling me it's a pay-per-view fight for you to be so tight about it, you know? Yeah, like I mean, at times I enjoy Dana White's passion for 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 fighting. I, I do because I, I I truly believe he's a legitimate fan. But at other times he he lets it he he gets too involved in saying certain things. Like like you don't see commissioners of the NFL. The commissioner of the NFL he's not like man that game between the Patriots and the Cowboys fucking sucked. Like you're not gonna see him say that. And and a lot of people are like, well, I enjoy that Dana White's not like that. Well. With that, you also get a lot of unprofessionalism. Yep. Saying that about that fight was unprofessional. Like, you, you can't... Dogging out your fighters like that is just it's not something you need to be doing. It, I mean, I don't have a huge problem with it because the fight did suck, but he didn't necessarily have to be the one to say it. Exact, that, that's exactly it. You can't say, all right, this fight was complete shit when you're the guy that wants people to pay money. You see what I'm saying? You want people yeah. to tune in, and for you to dog out that guy, you're basically telling people, yo... He, he's fucking garbage. Don't watch him fight. And then what happens? When that guy's on your card again, people go going to be like, hey, wasn't this the guy that Dana shit on for that boring-ass fight? I'm not tuning in if it's going to be the same shit. You're fucking yourself at that point. Yeah. You see what I mean? From a from a business standpoint, it's like, yeah. dude, you are shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah, you, there's no reason to throw your own fighter under the bus like that. Nope, I, there's I too many. I understand being frustrated with it, but the, like throwing your own fighter under the bus is- Bus is just not 
That was what you need to be doing. Not only that, dude, but MMA is attracting a lot more casual audiences. And they're learning yeah. the, the intricacies of the sport, which to, to me is fantastic because I welcome new fans to the sport, but I also am not a fan of revisionist history. And you know that the, that, that the UFC will, will tell every fan possible that their history is the only history. And we, all, we both know that's not a fact. I mean, I don't particularly mind them kind of doing that in a sense. But in another sense, if you give a false narrative of what MMA is, because it's high. See, I think at times the UFC kind of fucks itself over in the fact that they kind of make make people think that every fight is exciting. Yep. That every time you, you watch a fight, there's going to be something exciting. And that's not entirely true. You spoil the like fans. Not every football game is exciting. Not every basketball game is exciting. It's it's just like any other sport. So when you give people that false narrative, like, oh, every single time you watch a car, there's going to be something amazing happen. Most of the time, there's going to be something cool that happens. But about 50% of the time, the fight sucks. The fight's not going to be – it might not even suck. It might not be this Forrest griffin Stephen Bonner fight. It's, nope. it's not going to be two dudes in the middle of the cage throwing haymakers. Most of the time, that's not what it is. But the UFC wants you to believe that. And I understand why they want you to believe that. But giving that narrative to a casual fan, like to me and you, we both understand that. Yep. So people that listen to the show, they understand that not every fight is going to be exciting. But when you give that false narrative to uh, Billy, who's never watched a UFC fight before, but he sees a clip on TV of um, Anthony Pettis jumping on the kids and kicking somebody, he's, he's going to believe, oh, when I watch this, every single fight's going to be like that, and that's just a false narrative. I agree 150% with that statement. And speaking of, of fights that weren't completely exciting, let's jump right into this UFC 147 card, which we both yeah. with we which we both know what should have been a card that should not have been 60 bucks, dude. <laughs> that card should have been free. That, that, that thank you. No reason. First of all, American people, people from America... If you haven't been watching, because I stopped being able, I couldn't catch every single uh, Oakland fight of Brazil uh, because it came on at midnight in Brazilian. Like, I, I just couldn't catch, keep up with it. If you haven't been keeping up with it, when I looked at the card, I didn't know anybody on the card. Yep. I, knew, I had heard Rodrigo Dan's name. I had heard a couple other names. I knew Fabrice were doing with Mike Russell, and I knew Vanderlei Silva and Liz Franklin. Am I really going to pay $50 for a bunch of Brazilian dudes I've never heard of? <laughs> like, I've never heard of any of these dudes. Like, from what I've read, I've read online, this card have, may have done, like, the lowest numbers of any card in the past uh, three or four years, and it makes sense. This card should have been free. Yep. This should have been a fuel TV card. Vanderlei Silva and, and Rich Franklin should have been moved to 140, uh, what's next, 148. They should have done this whole card. Teresa Verdum and uh, Mike Russell should have been a main event on fuel TV or FX. That's what his car should have been. Agreed. Not $60. Like, there was, who was going to buy this? Now, I understand that in Brazil, I think like 20 million people saw this in Brazil. That's great. Americans that didn't buy this. Hell no. Like, I, I went to a bar that night. Normally for a UFC, bars are packed. You, you're not finding a seat. I remember when I went to see uh, um, Jones versus Evans, Hooters was so packed, they had to set up a projector screen outside and start selling food outside because there was no more seats in Hulu. There was no one. 
in the bar. No one. And I kind of feel sorry for the bar owner and, and the uh, waitresses because they expect a big haul because, oh, UFC's on. Nobody come to watch this fight? Nope. Nobody. Because they don't know anybody on the card. And that's the problem. I mean, don't get me wrong. There were the Brazilians came in there and they came in there ready to fucking kill each other, which was which is always good. You know, I admire yeah. their tenacity. I admire their viciousness and how they came in there to do work. But the problem is that unless you're really, really going in there and studying independent MMA, Brazilian fighters, other promotions, smaller shows, YouTube, the casual fan once again, no fucking clue. You know, I, I was very Even impressed with Verdum. Has a problem with that. Of course, but, you know, I was impressed with Verdum. Verdum came in there and took care of business. And Vanderlei and Rich Franklin, once again, you know, Vanderlei, as much as people are like, oh, he should hang it up, that was a catchweight fight, and those fucking guys beat the fuck out of each other. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Verdum fight, uh, first Verdum fight, was exactly what I thought. Mike Russo had no business in a cage with Verdum, Verdum whatsoever. That fight was... A wash, like there was no reason for him to be in a cage with that guy. Uh, the Vandalay Silva and Rich Franklin fight was a great fight uh, from start to finish. I mean, for the most part, Rich Franklin basically controlled the fight for the most part, but Vandalay might have got a 10 8 round in that second round. Yeah, uh, he he caught Franklin uh, good and for about a minute and a half was beating his ass from, like straight. Like yeah, that fight could have been stopped by, by any other referee, that fight could have been stopped. So, um, I don't think he should hang it up. Uh, I would prefer him not to fight Vitor Belfort because I think Vitor would probably break Vanley's skull. But you think so, man? I, I mean, he's been, he's been a little he's been a little rusty, Vitor too. He's got a little cage rust. But yeah, but Vitor still is one of the faster middleweights. Like he still the way the way Rich Franklin was able to like, catch Vanley over and over with a uh, left hand. That's Vitor's punch. If Vitor if Vitor's a better fighter than Rich Franklin. Like, Vitor is, I don't know how much better, but he, he's he's a markedly better fighter than Rich Franklin. I, I think that they should keep Vandalay for more, like, kind of like fights like this. Like, if Vandalay's going to keep fighting, they need to put him up against dudes like... Special attraction fights. Randy come out of retirement. Yeah, like Randy Couture and Vandalay fight. Or do another Chuck if Chuck Liddell wants to come out of retirement, another Chuck Liddell fight. Or do a T or T's Vandalay civil fight. Like, stuff like that. Like, don't... I would prefer that these older dudes that are kind of like move like the prime generation of fighters, uh, kind of that are moving out of their prime and stuff like that, not get put up against dudes that, for the most part, might hurt them. Because he almost lost, and I know Kung Lee the son of the show, so I don't want to talk bad about Kung Lee, but he almost lost. He almost lost to Kung Lee, and Kung Lee really doesn't belong in the UFC. Well, he here's well, he here's the here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing with with the Kung Lee fight. And even with the with the Frank with the Franklin fight, when Vanderlei got into that zone, you know, when they hugged in the middle of the fucking cage, and they were like, "Yo, we're just gonna beat the fuck out of each other." That's the yeah. those are the kind of fights people want to see. Like fighting Kung Lee, that fight went the way it went, and and you know, like I said, you know, I understand your feelings on the fight, but regardless of of that, Kung Lee's fighting style made that fight exciting because you knew they were gonna sit there and trade. Yeah. Like, that's what Vanderlei wants. Like, people don't seem to understand, especially newer fans, that Vanderlei is in the UFC. Yeah, sure, he wants to win titles, but Vanderlei just wants to beat the fuck out of people. They don't get that. He Honestly, is out I of his Vanderlei mind. Kind of understands. Okay. No, I'm just saying he's he's out of his mind to the point where he, uh, you know, he knows that 
I may not get another title opportunity, but let me just fight the fights I want to fight until the end. You get yeah, what I'm like, saying? I, like I'm 100 percent sure that LA understands what his place is now. Like, yep. he, I'm pretty sure he understands that he's not 23, 24-year-old Vandalay in pride. He understands he's not that guy anymore. And so, giving him, I, I think, fights like the Kung Lee fight, special attraction fights, yep. fights like that, that will keep him busy, keep his face out there. He's a big draw for the UFC. If anybody bought this card, it was to see him. Yep, so, I, bu- I, I, mean, I, went, I saw it because he was fighting. Yeah, Period. Like, he, he, yeah, so... I mean, I, I don't have a huge problem with him still fighting. He just—I think they should just be far more selective with who they put him up against. I agree, and, and but, I but that's what I don't like. Also, out of his damn mind. <laughs> also, I think Rick Franklin lost his damn mind by saying that he thinks he wants to double title shot. Yeah, okay. I don't know in what world he thinks he can. Let me got, let me be honest with that with that assessment. <laughs> let, let me let me be honest with this assessment with Rich Franklin. Rich Franklin is a, is a cool dude, and he seems like a guy that that just loves this sport. But he really needs yeah. to understand what he's saying. You know, Anderson Silva gave him you know deviated septum surgery with his fists on two occasions. Two, and yeah. and for argument's sake, let's say Chael wins the belt. For argument's sake. Rich Franklin is not beating Chael Sonnen. No. There's no fucking way that's happening. Rich Franklin would beat Brian Stan. I, I don't think he would beat Brian Stan. I don't think he'd beat Hector Lombard. I don't think he'd beat Tim Bocek. I don't think he'd beat Michael Bisping. I think he'd get his leg ripped off by Huzumar Paul Harris. Like, I don't see Rich Franklin beating anybody under his title. But like, I just don't. I don't think he'd be Alan Belcher. Like, I don't think he'd be any of these guys. I like, I like what he says, though. He's like, you know what? I want to try and, and make another run at the belt because, before I retire. But you see, I like that he said, I'm going to try and make a run at the belt before I retire. He has a fucking plan. Yo, I'm going to go in there and fight till I'm fucking dead. Then I'm going to retire. And and he's one of those guys that he see he's gonna see the writing on the wall. If he fights two or three guys that just that just you know murder death kill him in there, he's gonna be like, all right, I'm done. But you can't tell that well, to a guy like Vanderlei. You can't tell Vanderlei, yo, you're retiring because he'll fucking kill you. Yeah. Like you just gotta let that dude fight till it's over. So he wakes up one day and goes, all right, I'm fucking done. Like like Chuck. Chuck was like, yo, I'm done. But don't let don't let Dana shift that. To, oh, you should retire. Like Tito. Tito knew when it was time. He's like, yo, I'm done. I think after, after they this. also did that a bit with Chuck. Because from what I hear, Chuck still wanted to fight. But oh, yeah. He's out of his fucking yeah, mind. Chuck, yeah, Chuck. The, the difference between Chuck and Vanderlei is uh, Vanderlei ain't getting knocked out by anybody. Chuck, and I think his last, was it, four fights, he got knocked out. And not just knocked out. Knocked out viciously. Yep. Rashad Evans. Killed him. Shogun killed him. Rampage killed him. Rich Franklin knocked him out with one arm because Rich Franklin broke his arm in that fight. He knocked him out with a broken arm. Like, at that point, that, that's when you know, like, yo, before you, like, seriously, like, die in the cage, we need to go ahead and, like, make it. You're just, you're just not fighting. Like, that, that's somebody you just need to tell, like, yo, you're not fighting. Like, period. Like, you're done. Well, so. with that said, I, I want to just uh, touch on some other MMA news with you. Um, we got some fight bonuses handed out, 40 grand. Knockout of the night went to Cub Swanson, well-deserved. Submission of the night went to Dan Miller. And Sam Stout and Spencer Fisher took fight of the night. 
with the for the forty grand. No, Sounds ju- justified, right? Yeah. Well, the other yeah, thing I wanted the other thing I wanted to talk about was King Mo. He um he did an interview. He was talking about Bellator and TNA, and he was saying that you know with Bellator he's ready to go. He's at about ninety percent functional right now. Uh, he's two months away from reporting to TNA's developmental to start training wrestling. And he said that he would like Rampage to be his tag team partner in TNA. He says that he w- that he's done with the beef with Rampage and that Rampage and him would be the new Harlem Heat. <laughs> and if not him, it could be him and Roy Nelson. What do you think of, I mean, of King Mo be- just taking it to this level of being the, being the guy right now that's going to be able to you know, become a he can become a multimedia personality just from this deal alone. What do you think his chances are, and what do you think Rampage and him would do would do good would do well in professional wrestling? Because they're fucking crazy, dude. I think I think they would. I mean, I mean, he chose he chose the best way to do this because TNA um, TNA he's going to be recorded because I think they do all like all their shows like in one day or something like that, right? Like they yeah, they usually go, do like, them all. Yeah, they usually do them all in one day. During the summer, though, they've been doing them live. So if he's reporting to the minors in two months, we're in by August. I think TNA's last live show is going to be late during that week of Labor Day. So you never know; he might pop up that first show in September as a live as a live show. Uh, well, he chose the best way to do it because he's not really going to be pushed in MMA. Uh, in Bellator, because Bellator shouldn't even have a light heavyweight division, because, like, who's he going to fight? Who's going to give King Mo any kind of problem? Travis View? He knocked out Travis View in his first fight, his very first fight. No training, just just walked in and knocked out Travis View. Is he really going to do something to him? Uh, uh, Christian Apumbu, Travis View beat him. Like, none of none of the light heavyweights are going to do anything to King Mo. So more or less, he's getting a paycheck from basically just showing up in Bellator. And in TNA, he, he gets to he gets to elect their personality show. I think Rampage would do a good job with him as a tag team partner um, if they do it correctly and not play up. They're both black guys from the south. <laughs> this I'm is like, this is very true. They don't play that up. I mean, I mean, I think I think King Mo's one of those guys that has tremendous crossover appeal. He's one of the guys I cited as a as a crossover star in professional wrestling. Um, my my only concern with him at this point is that if he holds the Bellator belt and for argument's sake TNA straps a rocket to him and pushes him to win any kind of major title in TNA, it it almost feels like the Bellator belt will be devalued because you have your belt held by a professional wrestler. That's my only concern. You you get what I mean? Their belt, as sad as it is. Their light heavyweight belt doesn't mean anything anyway. Like, oh, I mean, it's hell that Christian Apumbu who lost to somebody who's going to be in a tournament to fight him again. Like, there's honestly, their light heavyweight belt means nothing. Like, it, it's it's a nice shiny thing that he could put on his mantle. Like, it's it it doesn't. I know it's a belt for a uh, MMA organization, but I mean, honestly, who's he fighting? Like, like really, like and. I don't know. I know I sound a bit MMA elitist, like only the UFC matters, and, and I don't think that, but their light heavyweight division is so weak that, honestly, their belt doesn't really matter. Like, there's no one 
that's going to ever challenge him for it. Because if you're a light heavyweight and you're good, you're not going to Bellator because they have one legitimate top ten light heavyweight. All the rest of them are in the UFC. You're not going to Bellator. If you have a choice, you're not going to Bellator. So he's going to end up fighting journeyman. I see what you're saying. Well, switch, yeah. switch, switching gears and, and kind of keeping with the shit talking, you um you commented on a video I posted for the UFC 148 promo. Anderson Silva talking talking a little shit. It's the first time I've seen him really come out of pocket. Like, yo, I'm gonna beat this fucking guy's ass when he's referring to Chael Sonnen. How do you feel about just Anderson showing that side? Because I actually like that because that fight already has people hype. But Anderson Silva saying, "Yo, I'm gonna break this guy's arms and legs." It kind of, it kind of made me more hype for the fight. Don't get me wrong; it felt a little canned, a little bit like, like you know, like they told him, like, "Yo, you gotta really say you are gonna fuck this dude up." But it, it was, it was some a, a change of pace from a guy who you know basically ignores Chael Sonnen, you know? Yeah. Honestly, first of all, I don't think um, that the shit talking. Uh, matters one way or another. I, I think whatever Anderson is going to do to Chell, uh is going to happen regardless. And I personally think that he's going to be the hell out of Chell Sonnen. I think with TRT, Chell Sonnen, Sonnen uh, has gotten so much bigger that it's become hard for him to make 185. The way he looked in the Michael Bisping fight, if he comes out against Anderson Silva, fights that way, it's not going to get out first round. He, the fact that he's on TRT has made him so much bigger now than he was before. Like, I, um, like I was watching um, MMA, uh, the, the show they have on uh, Fuel, uh, what's it called? Uh, not MMA Unleashed. Uh, UFC Tonight. Right. He was sitting next to uh, Rashad Evans. Rashad Evans is light heavyweight. He was huge. Chelsea is a ginormous man. He's having, and it, it was clear in his last fight because they were talking about it. He had a hard time making 185. He's going to have a hard time making 185 next Saturday. Well, the, I don't in, think anything he's. Huh? Go ahead. No, go ahead. You got to finish. Yeah, I don't think anything he said or done has done anything to change the outcome of the fight. Like I really think Anderson Silva is going to come in there. And he's gonna probably beat up Chelsea, and I, I don't think that Chelsea is gonna get steamrolled and, and like nuked like Anderson Silva does some of his opponents. But I think at some point, like I said in the John Jones Rashad Evans fight, it's gonna be perfectly clear who the better fighter is. At some point in that fight, Anderson Silva is gonna put the screws to Chelsea in, in, in that fight because I just think that Chelsea reign and and run the precipice was what happened the first time they fought. If he was going to win that title. If he was going to hold that title, all that, he needed to do it that first time because I think the testosterone placement therapy has made him so large that he's not going to be able to make 185 that much longer, much less make it healthily and be the best fighter on the planet. Well, the second best fighter on the planet. I think John Jones is better. Well, here's, 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 my, here's my assessment with that. Chael Sonnen, you know, the TRT can be looked at whether it's a, a help or a hindrance, you know, the board is cool with him using it. That goes without question. If he has a legit health reason that he needs to use it, whatever. My, my, my big issue, don't you die on me. 
My my big issue with this fight isn't the fact that they're shit talking or TRT. It's the fact that when Anderson Silva fought him the first time, he came, walked into the center of that cage and put fist to face. Now Anderson Silva is a tremendous striker, an accurate striker. He has Brazilian jiu-jitsu and everything else. My only concern with Anderson Silva is the fact that he may come in there and do something out of character, which is be emotional and play Chael Sonnen's game and get caught. Much like Chael Sonnen took the fight to the ground and got caught. You see what I mean? And then it's a matter of, if you get caught, can you escape? See, I I think, um, I don't, I don't think he'll do anything out of character. I think because in the first fight, I don't think he was uh, exactly the happiest camper going into that fight. I mean, he he seemed oh, excuse me, moderately pissed off going into the first fight. Right. So I think I don't think he's going to do anything way out of character. But I do think the difference is this: Chelsea, I mean not Chelsea, Anderson Silva at times, and it's completely obvious at times, has complete disdain for his opponent striking. Yep. Point blank. He doesn't think anybody can hurt him on feet, on the feet. Period. Yeah, the uh Forrest Griffin fight. He drops his hands completely and is like, hit me. And he I mean he, he has the same for that. I think in the first fight he did that with Chell. Chell tagged him a couple times. Oh he yeah, Chell tagged him. him out or nothing like that. Chell tagged him on the ground, dude, and his head bounced off that mat. I was like, Oh, that that fucking hurt. Yeah, he tagged him on the feet actually. He tagged him on the feet a couple times too. Because Anderson came in with his hands out. I think if, if this, this fight is going to go, Anderson's going to come in. He's not going to underestimate Chell. I think at some point he's going to catch Chell with something. Because Anderson Silva, he may not, he may not look like he hits hard. He will hit hard. And I think no matter what Chell says about him being so much better than Anderson, no. If, if you were going to win that fight, you, you had to win it the first time. Because I, I don't I don't think he's going to have a chance to win it this time. I, I really don't think he has any chance whatsoever of winning this fight. I think Anderson Silva at some point is going to put the screws in Chelsea on it. I like Chelsea on his style. I like he he's one of those wrestlers that I enjoy watching because he's trying to hurt you on the ground. But at some point, I think he's going to have to move to 205, hopefully stop talking, <laughs> and, and it just it – just, uh, just eat it, because I, I, I think at some point in this fight, he's going to get shown that he's not on necessarily level. Well, I think that if I decide to do um, fantasy picks with counter move for that fight, I'm going to I'm gonna do one card with Chael winning it and one card with Anderson winning, so I can at least break even. Yeah. <laughs> that, that may have to be the way, yeah. dude, because somebody, somebody may just get caught. But um, to, to wrap things up uh, with, with Chael and Anderson there... Uh, primetime special will be airing this Saturday at 7 o'clock on Fuel TV. And they're also going to stream it on UFC.com Saturday at 7.30 for fans that don't have Fuel TV. I don't understand why it's on Fuel TV in the first place. Yeah, I don't understand why that's not. I happen to have Fuel, but I know a whole lot of people that don't. Well, there you go. Now you can share with them that they can catch it on uh, UFC.com. Also, in some other news, in some Strikeforce news, ESPN, the magazine, reported that Ronda Rousey will be appearing in the body issue this year. She now joins Gina Carano and John Jones as mixed martial artists who've been featured in the magazine. I think it's just an excuse to get her naked. But <laughs> uh, they, they forget the, uh, the cyborgs uh, was in the, um, they were in it. Yeah, they so, were uh, in it, but you know, uh, Chris, but you know they, they're not going to acknowledge that. I don't that. know what issue that was. 
I think that was the body uh, issue, as a matter of fact. But you know, they're gonna be like, "Ooh, damn, that, it, who are you talking about?" Issue, but I don't, I don't remember like what year it was. I, I, I don't think it was last year, but it, it was—they were in it. Yeah, but it I like creepy. I like how they how they conveniently you know omit that and they go, "Yeah, she joins Gina Carano in that issue," and I'm like, "Yeah, well, you know." <laughs> I think they just want to yeah. get her naked. Um, the other, the last oh, bit of okay. MMA news to wrap things up. Uh, Bellator announced that they've actually signed a, a deal with Telemundo's Mundos. So they'll actually be offering Spanish language broadcasting here in the U.S. Um, they already aired 22 live events for the second and third seasons. Then they're going to relaunch um, on Friday with a Bellator 60 airing. The first live event that's going to air on Mundos is going to be Bellator 72, July 20th. So with that said, they've succeeded in grasping a foothold in the Hispanic market. Do you think that that's a market that the UFC should be tapping as well? Because not for nothing, they should, the UFC should have Spanish language um, broadcasting for stuff like that, especially if they want to expand into Mexico, South America. I mean, they do it with Brazil already, but, you know, they should expand. If they're expanding into these other markets, they really should take a page out of Bellator's book and try and grab something like that. I think they already do have uh, some kind of Spanish broadcast. Um, I'm pretty, I'm almost 100 percent because I know the UFC like broadcasts in like a million different languages. I'm pretty sure they do have a Spanish broadcast, but um, they sure as I fuck mean, don't promote it. <laughs> yeah, they, I, I'm sure they don't promote it like in America, but I know they have one. I mean, they have a Russian broadcast. Like I know they they have to have something that goes in Spanish. But I mean, I, I think their intention was to to push into the Hispanic market with Kane as their champion. If he had beat uh, Junior Dos Santos, oh, that bubble got like, burst. I, I'm 100 sure that was their cha- that was their plan. And when he lost, they kind of pushed that back because I know they were talking about going to Mexico uh, with Kane. Uh, I, I forgot when that like this year. If Kane had still been the champion, they were talking about going to Mexico. So um, I, I'm sure they'll try again. They just need they want that bright star to be in that spot and not have because Kane is like truly like. Mexican, he can speak Spanish well. It's not like Tito back in the day trying to speak Spanish, looking like a jackass. Like you know, it's 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 a real Hispanic person, really, who someone who can really you know relate because you know all all that's you know his parents are legal immigrants, all that stuff. So you know, um, they I'm sure they're waiting for that right person, and it's either it's either going to be Kane, it's not going to be Miguel Torres because he's not what he used to be. It's got to be someone like Kane or. I can't think of anybody else outside of Kane, but they, they just want that right star to be able to go in there and really draw that market. Now nah, I hear you. All right. Well, that actually wraps up all the MMA news for this week, dude. They need to step their game up and give us some better MMA cards so we can actually have a full set of news. Somebody either needs to get popped I mean, for something or something, dude, because it's fucking dead. <laughs> I mean, next, uh, next week's card should be good. I mean, I'm looking forward to that's going to be a great card. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. So yeah, I'm going to be good. I'm looking forward to to watching Tito retire and walk off into the sunset. I think that's going to be a super, super emotional fight anyway it goes down. Because if Forrest loses, Forrest, like, you know, he pretty much is like, yo, I'm going to kill myself. (laughs) I'm fucking quitting. I'm quitting this planet if he loses. (laughs) I mean, he should win. Like, I mean, he beat him. I think he beat him both times, but um, he beat him the second time easily. So, I mean, he should win, but... I mean, it should be it should be fun to watch. I mean, that's the fight I'm looking forward to outside of the uh, the Anderson Silva Charles Sunday fight is the Ivan Menjabar Michael um, Mike Easton fight. 
Yeah, um, Mike Easton. I, I like that little dude, man. He's no joke. Them dudes. I mean, Ninja Bar is fun to watch. Mike Easton is fun to watch. They, that fight should be bananas. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that fight more. More than any other fight outside of the Chelsea Sun and Silver fight. There you go. Well, that's going to wrap it up. Anything else you want to add? Anything you need to acknowledge? Uh, no. Nah. Well, you can follow nah. Ben on Twitter at Blackout, B-L-A-Q-O-U-T-89. And, of course, look for him on the Facebook fan page and look for his content on MyTakeRadio.com. Right? All right, man. All right. Peace. All right, brother. I will catch you later. All right. All right, guys. That's going to wrap up the MMA segment, and I actually need a fucking drink. So I really should play a commercial. Let's see if we got uh, our VGN commercial queued up so I can get something to drink. MTR will return with wrestling right after this commercial break. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like... (laughs) Well, you won't listen to that on our show because we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that that has horrible audio quality and... uh, Void of fake laughter. Video game news radio. 11 p.m. Tuesday nights. On all games. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we're coming for you, nigga! My Take Radio's wrestling segment is brought to you by WWEShopZone.com. Visit WWE Shop, enter WWE Save 10 in the checkout for savings courtesy of My Take Radio. That promo code is valid until June 30th. Again, WWEShop.com is our sponsor. Make sure to enter WWE Save 10 in your promo box until June 30th. Anyway, we got a lot to talk about on the wrestling front this week. We got some shit going on with Raw. We got Impact News. We got a little money in the bank. We got to find out what's going on with Buried. And, um, yeah, shit is, shit is crazy this week in the wrestling side of things. But the one thing that's been hella quiet has been our Buried segment on MyTakeRadio.com. Of course, you know Blade and Quark deliver buried every week either for raw and smackdown or just for raw but as of the over the last couple of weeks the column has taken a turn for the strange with uh quark's enthusiastic support of johnny ace bordering on lunacy not to mention also just him being at odds with blade and in a lot of the columns which is just made things very weird at mtrhq so Quark is going to be joining us to let, it, uh, let us know what's going on with that. Buried, of course, was silent this week, and we're going to elaborate as to why. But in addition to that, we also got some news regarding everyone's favorite animal, Ryback. We also got some stuff regarding a WWE 
best of false count anywhere matches. I think they're scraping the bottom of the barrel coming up with all this. Why don't they just have contract on a pole match at this point and make a DVD compilation of that? In addition, I will say that we got some news on Randy Orton as well. So before Cork joins us, we will uh, go into WWE Raw a little bit. Raw, of course, pushing the huge AJ Lee storyline opened up with her talking to herself in a mirror being a complete fucking weirdo. And we had Vicky Guerrero as our guest general manager this week. Of course, she is the ma- managing both Raw and SmackDown due to their whole crazy twist where they want to bring back former GMs until they can figure out who is going to be a permanent one. Now, the funny thing with that is that they're going to play with it uh, in some unique ways by bringing back all the old favorites. Hopefully, we get a Mike Adamley sighting. But before we get into that, Slick has informed me that both Blade and Quark are joining us. So let me bring them on one at a time. John Blade, welcome back. Oh, hello. Oh, hi. What's going on? Nothing. Welcome back. And I see that your cohort and partner in crime, Mr. Quark, is also here. Captain Quark, what's up? Finally. Welcome back. Oh, what is good? It's good to be back. It's been months. I've been around here. Ah, it's been months. Well, with that said, let's let's go right into the meat and potatoes of this whole thing. Of course, Buried, which I said at the top of the segment, is taking a turn towards the weird. What the fuck is going on? Okay, I, I, I wish, I wish what I was saying was bullshit, Akuma, but I fucking can't. I can't. God. Okay, you were talking about earlier in the show, Penn Station, right, New York. Right. Clarify, you were uh, you were there with us, right? You gotta tell the world that we were there. Well, what happened was Blade, Blade was looking for me because he knew I was gone. He knew I was gone. He saw my sign that I sent out in the past two buried, pretty much saying that my editor, the one who I've been quote unquote praising, has abducted me. Akuma, she abducted me. Yes, a woman has abducted a grown ass man such as myself. We use the we use the term man lately. Fuck you. Anyway, <laughs> she abducted me. She was she was preaching the bullshit that is John Laurinaitis to the masses under my name, Akuma. Under my name, it was not good. John knew there was something wrong. He saw the cryptic letters in each one of the articles, and he saved me. He fucking saved me. I got out, and that's why there hasn't been a barrier for the last two weeks. He killed the bitch. Killed her. That is all. Well, welcome the fans, back. The fans, did, the fans didn't even notice. How did they not notice that it wasn't me? If they were loyal and knew, knew each and every week, day in and day out, I sat here talking against the power of people. And they should have known I would not have wrote about John Lawrence like that. Well, you know what the funny thing is? I, I had a feeling something was wrong. And, you know, our, our, commu- our, our communication has been has been a little, uh, it's been a little broken, so John has been the, the point man for a lot of the stuff, but now that we know that your editor has had you in captivity, we are well aware of the fact that you are now officially back, correct? Yes, sir. I'm assuming you won't be getting any new editors anytime soon, right? Uh, no, sir. You can <laughs> expect a bad grammar and my dumb man gimmick will be returning. <laughs> Well, with the return of the dumb man gimmick, 
we can we can officially move forward with something that we are actually going to try out for the first time on air. We are doing Raw's Buried live this evening. Oh, thank God. As as many of you know, uh, MTR was a little quiet this past week, and that is because Blade and Quark were actually visiting yours truly here at the uh, MTR HQ at the, at the mountaintop here in New York City. And with that said, Monday night we got to see the train wreck that is Monday Night Raw, ladies and gentlemen. It yep. was a festering, <laughs> festering pile of shit. And I'll start. I'll start with our our returning Quark. What did you think was the high point of that entire show? Oh my god, the high point. Okay, the ben high point was pro- Okay, T- to me, the high point was probably the worst part of the show with John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> Literally because everything was so fucking generic that something as bad as calling almost everyone who watches Raw a nine-year-old, like, was buzzworthy, you know what I mean? That You know, that particular promo, we sat here, we dissected it, we shit on yeah. it appropriately. But the worst part of that entire promo was the complete... Star Wars laden references that oh. that mired that entire promo. Wouldn't you agree? No fucks given. Literally, okay, this is what I think. I think they told John Cena to go out there and make whatever crappy jokes you want. It couldn't have been a writer, dude. It just couldn't have. Because if you... There's like a thing online where they edited out part of John Cena's like little promo thing. Like, you know, the thing that, that he says about the uh, how most viewers are nine-year-olds and the fudging i got edited out in like like the fucking portugal oh on the moon dose yeah on the moon dose repeat i did see that it did get cut yeah yeah it it could not it it couldn't have been a writer i i i can't fucking believe it there's no way it had to be john cena's owned like mind at work and his crappy little woo woo wookie like what the the fuck says that what grown-ass man uses fudging woo woo wookie Come on, Christ! That Bl- is all. Blade, Blade, do I'm you mad. share? I've been watching the station for four months. Fuck. <laughs> do you do you share his sentiment? Um, my I just have to say the high point of that uh, promo was probably Chris Jericho's reaction was yeah. complete disgust. With I, I absolutely loved. Um, I also enjoy seeing the same uh, CM Punk Daniel Bryan fight for the fourth week in a row. That's always good to see every week. Do you think they're squeezing Until the end of time? They're squeezing that. They're squeezing that dry. I'm starting to think. Yeah, I mean, like throwing Kane into the mix is interesting, but you can't. I, I mean, as good as great performances they are, you can't see the same match for a month straight and not get sick of it. Well, I'll tell you this: one I'm not of the, sick of it. Well, I am. I'm sick of it just because there's really no legit payoff. Because you know, you're not gonna do a major title change on Raw. So why? So keep them separate for the time being, and either do uh, an Iron Man match at a major pay per view, like at SummerSlam. We should get Brian and Punk in an Iron Man match, or two out of three. John fours. Cena will ruin it with Money in the Bank. I'm putting money on that shit right now. Ex- oh yeah, hundred percent. Which is the other thing which I wanted to talk about. Of course, John Cena said on Twitter, "Oh, I got this huge announcement, ladies and gentlemen. Huge, huge announcement." You know, it wasn't the <sighs> fact that he renegotiated his prenup. 
or that, <laughs> you know, he finally got to tell us what the inside of Mickey James looked like. On the contrary, <laughs> on the contrary, it was the fact that he was going to take his big ass into the Money in the Bank match with everyone's favorite uh, Gordon Ramsay-looking Chris Jericho. So, with that, with that said, do you think that John Cena would cash it in after a, a two out of three fall match and just ruin any credibility that that match had with those two guys? Uh, this is what I think. I think John Cena is all about the hustle, the loyalty, and the respect. So he'll win the money in the bank, and then he'll do some, like, some whackness where he'll be like, oh, uh, I have too much respect for the two competitors. Instead of cashing it in uh, secretly, I'm going to just use it and put myself into the next match. Oh. <laughs> like yeah, I don't know. He'll, like, he'll, don't use think... the, he'll use the suitcase to be like uh, GM, anonymous GM, whoever it's going to be revealed for the thousandth episode. They'll just be like, "Could you use the money in the bank to just insert me into the title picture?" You know what I mean? Just add me to the card so it's fair. I don't fucking know. You know what I mean? It's John Cena. I don't. Yeah, I, I can't see Cena casting in after like a Daniel Bryan CM Punk match because that basically he's supposedly still supposed to be a face, and then doing that it just loses all credibility as. What little he has left. <laughs> well, in in two particular segments that were complete wastes of time, uh, Del Rio versus Ziggler, a complete waste. Yeah, I'm good. Because Ziggler at this point should be getting pushed into face status. And number two, you know, Del Rio's just treading water at this point. It's like, dude, keep him the fuck away from the main event. Nobody the, likes this dude. <laughs> He's on that Kevin Nash level. uh, Ricardo Rodriguez's entrance. That's it. (laughs) That's it. You know, we we got the Diva Summertime Battle Royal, which was basically AJ's coming out party. And, um... You know, Mickey... Mickey Mickey Guerrero. (laughs) Vicky Guerrero coming out with her onesie, with her one-piece bathing suit, and, and them ass cheeks jiggling... She's the kind of chick you see at the daytime strip club. They don't even bring her out at night. You go there during the day when they got the lunch buffet so you can get some booty sweat on your steak and potatoes. Terrible. I'm like, yo, what are you doing? You have, like, kids and shit. You're, like, half naked there with this grandma bikini you got on just jiggling your your loose ass all over. Take that shit the fuck out of here. Damn. It don't work, man. It doesn't work. I, the, the whole thing was to get AJ Lee over and, you know, also, and, you know, also give um what's-her-face the, the out, Maxine, who officially quit, by the yeah. way. I didn't even know who she was. So, her highlight of her career was being in, in a, uh, a love triangle between Johnny Curtis and Danny Batman. Like, wow. Fail. Yeah, that shit was complete garbage. She, 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 you're welcome. She, exactly. You're, you're welcome. welcome. She had ton of potential. You're ton of potential. And then she went out the window. And then, of course, Heath Slater taking on Psycho Sid, which opened up a Pandora's box of beef on Twitter. Between who? Uh, Sonny. Chris for, Brown and CM Punk. No, former WWE diva Sonny, <laughs> Hall of Famer Sonny, and Matt Hardy's girlfriend, uh, Rebby Sky. Because. What the fuck do they got to complain about? So. <laughs> So here's the, here's the skinny on this beef. Uh, Psycho Sid appeared on Raw. Rebby Sky, uh-huh. Rebby Sky, Rebby Sky, Rubber Sky, whatever the fuck her name is, went on Twitter, and she pretty much said that Sid was a scumbag because he no-showed a wrestling event that he was supposed to be at with Matt Hardy. 
to beat, but he made sure to show up for Raw. So she pretty much said that he Wait, was is a that piece. The one of, that was in uh, that was in New York. Yes. So she. Oh, really? Yeah. So she pretty much said that Sid was a piece of shit, and Sonny was like, you know, bitch, you've been in the in the industry five minutes. What the fuck do you know about anything? The only thing people know you for yeah. being is, you know, Matt Hardy's fuck sock. So, you know, <laughs> nobody gives a fuck about you at this point. So, of course, the beef escalated. Shannon Moore got involved, and he even was Why like... Shannon- well, Shannon Moore got involved to play your favorite role. He was the guy that just pretty much said that Sonny was, you know, you right. Sonny, Sonny was right. <laughs> That's what she was. Sonny, Sonny was 100% right. And, um, you know, Shannon Moore's eyes, because Shannon Moore was like, yo, this dude's paid his fucking dues in this business. You got to show some respect. So, yeah, Psycho Sid yeah, just... Hardy wouldn't jump out of the opportunity to get paid and same amount of money to appear on Raw one time, right? Yeah, he wouldn't do that. No, he wouldn't do that. But you know what the <laughs> thing is? Everybody's talking about, oh, well, Sid no-showed. And, you know, Sonny shouldn't be talking about anybody, defending anybody that no-shows because she no-shows uh, independent shows as well. Look... Who cares about Psycho Sid and Sonny, honestly? That, that's the first yeah. thing. No, no fucks are given about any one of them. But the fact still remains that when Vince McMahon calls you and said, I need you on Raw Monday night, Sid, the ruler of the world must show up. And he did. <laughs> yeah, to job did. Heath Slater. Yeah, to kill Heath Slater dead. You know, like, that's Heath Slater's job from now on. Heath, what are you doing on Monday this week? Getting fucked up by whatever old guy Vince brings back? That's it. You know, may, maybe maybe the zombie of Duke Duke the Dumpster Drossy will come out and fight Heath Slater next week. The blue meanie. The blue meanie. Let or or Yo, you know. SummerSlam match. Just saying, Heath Slater versus the ghost of Randy Savage. Just saying. Fuck just that. Saying. Heath Slater, zombie Chris Benoit. <laughs> Terrible. You know want to put Chris Benoit Terrible. on TV. Lat, come on, you know lat that. Pull, lat pull down cable on a pole match. No, seriously. I mean. <laughs> The, the, here's the shit, the shit, man. It's, um, I don't mind Psycho Sid being there because, you know, we're never going to fucking see him again. We're not. Ever? So, it's I like... I don't know. We'll see about that. I don't know. We'll see about that. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah? We'll see about that. Well, for for those of you that, that I don't know off air, um, that particular reference relates to me almost getting into a street fight with two young can you, can you Asian children. Just, like segue into the story, like literally. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> give a shit. Tell the fucking story. I, I don't give a I shit. Show, Andrew. Yeah, we uh, seg- it segued right my into a. Uh, I don't talk to my driver like that, John. Uh, I'm you, you said Andrew to my driver. Yeah, I'll call I'm you what I want. All right, all right, ladies, you. get your shit together. <laughs> anyway, so these 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 uh, young Asian children were cruising for a bruising in Toys R Us, and they legitimately tried. To, to pick a fight with, you know, grown-ass man in Toys R Us, not realizing that I would mash them into little fucking pieces. But um, what ended up happening was they tossed the ball around, they ended up, it ended up hitting one of us or me or whatever the fuck happened. And I was like, look, man, if that ball would have really hit me, like, in the face, we would have had a problem. So these little kids, I swear, they probably don't even know how to pull their own fucking dicks yet. Um... I was like, look, we would have had problems. And the kid's like, oh, yeah, we'll see. And mind you, these motherfuckers were like three feet tall. I could have folded one up and shoved them up the other one's asshole. That's that's how insignificant they were. And and it just shows the lack of respect from, from the parents. But 
I figured I'd share that with you guys. But jumping back into the raw pool and finishing this fucking burial, um, Brodus Clay and the Big Show has to be addressed. Has to be. They fought. Hashtag Funkies on the floor. <laughs> it was. It was. It was shit. It, it was complete shit. If so you, Funkasaurus gets knocked out during a commercial, does he make a sound? Seriously. It's like, the I know... Fly you, back, breathe. They're trying to... Pe- they're, they're trying to protect Brodus Clay by not having him get his ass beat too bad, but Brodus, Brodus is just going to be a bitch in this feud. That's it. Just feed him to Ryback. Well, jumping, jumping out of Raw, I actually have a Ryback story for you guys. Oh, let's go. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. I'm so, scared. So Ryback got interviewed in the July issue of WWE's magazine, and um, a lot of people were saying that he gets compared to Rob Van Dam and Goldberg, and he said... No, there's only Ryback. How well, Rob... Okay, keep well, going. Well, he goes, all the Rob Van Dam comparisons are fine with me because we actually have the same airbrush guy. So now we know. The, the guy that wow. airbrushes Rob okay. Van Dam's gear airbrushes Ryback's gear with the blood of angels. Um... <clears throat> when asked about the um, when asked about Goldberg and Stone Cold Steve Austin, he said, um, "I feel like I'm a colorful person in terms of my personality and what people are going to see over time. The plain black look just doesn't cut it for me. It worked for Austin, it worked for Goldberg, but I'm not Austin or Goldberg. I am Ryback. Ryback also oh. commented on the fact that he brings intensity and excitement that nobody's seen in a long time. When you watch a Ryback that match." Mental- Machine. Exactly. When you watch a Ryback match, you're going to be entertained one way or another, whether it lasts for two minutes or 20 minutes. Let's not kid ourselves, ladies and gentlemen. No match with Ryback is lasting 20 minutes. None. (laughs) No one one will be able to fight him that long. Nobody. No. He is is simply excellent. It's it's ridiculous that people... I can understand comparing him to Goldberg, but anybody that that compares him to Stone Cold... Or Rob Van Dam, what, because he wears a fucking airbrush singlet? Really, are you guys that fucking stupid? Yeah. Sadly, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The other thing I wanted to share with you guys is that the Money in the Bank matches got changed. According to WWE.com, now the Money in the Bank matches are titled as follows. The WWE Championship Money in the Bank match and the... World Heavyweight Championship Money in the Bank match. Instead of them being brand specific, they're now going to be title specific. There is no brand. There is no brand at this point. It's just belts. Yeah. Was uh, NXT Money in the Bank match? Oh, stop it! Why not just stop. do it? Why not just do a Money in the Bank match for the IC and the US titles, and make that the other two matches on the fucking pay per view? Why don't we have a tag team Money in the Bank ladder match for the tag team titles? Because that would only make sense. Because they're useless. No, no, that would not even make sense. It's just no one... The U.S. title is so garbage. You know what I mean? It's like, yo, who... Who has that now? Flying shit about whatever fucking belt Santino has. Nobody does. Nobody. Yeah, Santino has the belt. It's like, okay, he doesn't do anything with it. He doesn't even sign on pay-per-view. Every week. Yeah. He loses every week, yet somehow no one is like, oh, wait a minute. He should totally have a title shot. I would literally, literally, rather have David Otunga hold that fucking belt. I, I swear to God. No, I, I disagree. Yes. yes. No. 
Dude, have him, have him be like a, a freaking homeless lawyer now because that now he's unemployed, you know what I mean? Just have him like stink and smelly, and that's how he wins all his fights. But oh, he still shit. has his coffee cup. Yeah, he still has his coffee cup. Like, dude, everything he wears is like ratty as hell, like his fucking uh, Carlton sweater vest, but he still has this like cup full of John Laurinaitis piss that he drinks every week. Well, I can dig that. Well, not for nothing, if the, if the whole card, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, the whole card is called Money in the Bank. That means that all the matches should be Money in the Bank matches, shouldn't they? That would mean all the belts should be defended in Money in the Bank. So would that account for, like, any other pay-per-view? How many cage matches were in No Way Out? How many well, cage yeah. matches were in TLC? Like, the no, Norton, what? I mean, do you remember Over the Limit? Yeah, what, the worst pay-per-view in existence. Yeah, what matches in that defined the title of Over the Limit? Nothing. I think one. One, I, maybe. I, I, I forget. I forget what that match was because it was so forgettable. Read our buried at mytickradio.com about Over the Limit. Plugged. Well, well I I, the, naming the pay-per-views just seems pointless. Like, well, if you're going to have a Money in the Bank match, have all of them or none of them. It's, it's, it's stupid. I, 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 don't give them that idea because if you, if you say oh, none of them, shit. then next year there will be Money in the Bank with no Money in the Bank yeah, match. Because WWE listens to, to their followers, yeah, because that, yeah, that happens. Well, here's, here's, here's a crazy fun. idea. Had they done Money in the Bank for the Divas Championship, do you think it would have at least been watchable? Depends on who they yeah. put in it. Yes. AJ, Natalia, Beth Phoenix, possibly Alicia Fox, Tamina. and Tamina. Yes. And Maxine. Oh, wait. Maxine. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Dude, wait Unemployment. That would be a perfect time. Tell me this would be a perfect time. You have all the, the divas in, and right when it wins, bam, you have Amazing Kong come in. Perfect. You know what I mean? Karma? <laughs> yeah, Karma. Well, whoever her name is. Yeah, that would be, that would be good. Come in. She comes in after the chick wins the Money in the Bank match and just kills everybody dead. Yeah, or she knocks she knocks out the chick with money in the bank and just steals it. You know what I mean? Like, holy shit! Imagine that. Hey, just come take it back for me. Good luck. Yeah, yeah. Try. You know, what I, mean? I it will not happen. Well, we're gonna we're we're gonna go into your other buddy, the Randy Orton. The Randy Orton. Yeah, we could. Yeah, we the could. Randy the Randy Orton just can't seem to keep his fucking mouth shut while he's on suspension. Are you surprised? It's like laying the John on Sunday. Lay in the tanning bed and fucking come back extra crispy and keep your mouth shut. So somebody asked him on Twitter if when he comes back, he's going to be a face or a heel. And he said that we can only pray because obviously he likes working as a heel. WWE likes to have him as a baby face because they don't have that many faces on the SmackDown side of things. But he's just not happy being a face. He's not a face. He's a good heel. He is a good heel, but you know what, dude? You're getting a fucking paycheck. So, until they tell you otherwise, that's your fucking job. Randy Orton, tonight you're wearing a clown costume. That's your oh job. <laughs> you know, like like Randy Orton in the clown suit tonight on SmackDown. That's your fucking job. You don't want to do it. Quit. Wait, is he getting, like, heat from, like, like WWE for this tweet? Supposedly, yeah. They're saying that the WWE is pissed that he's venting, you know, via social media about that. But not only that, he answered some other fan questions last night. When asked about being caught smoking weed, he said, I can neither confirm nor deny. Yeah. I was going to say, if, if, they, if they cared so much about the heel or face thing, why did they care about the pot thing? But obviously they did care. Yep. 
And then, of course, they were saying, you know, on preparing for his return, he said he's been strength training with a trainer four times a week. And then when asked about Cena wanting him fired, he goes, I've never seen reporters backstage. As for your news sites, look at them for entertainment, not actual backstage happenings. And when asked about his dream opponent, he was straight up trolling when he said it would be, it needed to be Brodus Clay. I mean, well, who doesn't oh want to play Brodus Clay? That's I don't see the problem with that Big statement. Show. Clearly, the Big Show doesn't want to fight Brodus Clay. But it, Big it all, Show doesn't want to do anything but whine. At this point, though, has Randy Orton just overstayed his fucking welcome? Like, if Randy Orton quit tomorrow, would you guys give Good. a fuck? No. Seriously. No, so much better talent already that you don't need Randy Orton. Yeah. I'm at that point, dude, where I'm like, yo, I really don't give a fuck if you're on TV next week, dude. Go yeah. the fuck home. When was the last time he wrestled? Uh, who the fuck was he supposed to be feuding with? Wasn't it supposed to be him and Jericho? Yeah, it was supposed to be him Jericho. and Jericho feuding. And they both got suspended. Yep. Score. Jericho well, here's, can't... Here's my theory, okay? Go ahead. I'll continue. No, right. I... This is my theory. Okay, people... The WWE is saying that there's not enough faces in, like, the SmackDown brand or Raw or whatever. Well, you know what you do? If Randy Orton is just gone from the equation, then it's going to force them to have to make new faces. You know what I mean? I Randy agree. Randy Orton is just, like keeping so many fucking people down, you know what I mean? It's like, if he's gone, then he's going to force the company to make new stars, you know what I mean? And that's what they need. Randy Orton is going to fucking be around forever, you know what I mean? But some of these new people are, you know what I mean? Do you feel me? No, I understand you 100%. I think that the problem is that Randy Orton has realized that he really, he has the company by the balls. He's realized, oh, yo, I got it like that. I could just fucking smoke weed and shit in people's luggage and be a complete and be a complete dickhead and I can't get fired because you know I'm a third generation superstar that brings in money but eventually people get old and bullshit gets old it's it's ridiculous that he honestly thinks that he that he is that good anymore it's like dude CM Punk is a better wrestler than you are on his worst day fucking triumph the insult dog wrestles better than Randy Orton fuck that dude it boggles my mind how he can yeah. sit I, it boggles my mind that he can sit there and think that he's the fucking man. It's like, dude, you 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 are only awesome because the the company made you awesome. When you were blue chipper right. Randy Orton, when when you were blue chipper Randy Orton, nobody gave a fuck about you. <laughs> you were in Kevin Nash status at that point. No, no one, one gives a fuck about Kevin, about Kevin Nash. Nash. Well, speaking of Kevin Nash, I got a the funny. Please, I, please don't. Uh, yeah, I got a funny, I got a funny story regarding him in the movie segment. But let's wrap up this wrestling situation. Um, Ion and WWE are putting together a brand new show, and it's going to be debuting on Ion Television. It's going to be called WWE's Main Event, and it's going to feature get this in-ring action that fits seamlessly in storylines from Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown, premiering Wednesday night. So it's going to be. I don't get it. Yep, so they're going to do another show on Ion, which I don't even think everybody has. It's going to be air, it's going to be a 1-hour series airing Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock, starting October 3rd, 2012. What the fuck is it? It's going to like is it kind of like Raw? Is it just like another show or is it According to this, yeah, what is it? Here's what the press release says. Uh it will debut on October 3rd and feature WWE superstars and divas from the rosters of Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown. The new show will be available in 100 million U.S. television households with Ion Television. So, I have a feeling it's basically going to be superstars. 
why don't they work on making their like <laughs> WWE Network instead of this bullshit? Uh, how, they work about, how about they work on Raw? How about that? Yeah, let's just let's you know what let's let's just delete SmackDown. No more SmackDown. Let's just work on one show. Let's go back to square one. Make one good show, guys, and then we'll talk about SmackDown again. Yep. Fuckers. So you're gonna have you're gonna have a show. So here's how it's gonna work. You got Raw on Monday, SmackDown tape Tuesday. Whatever is taped between those two shows, they'll give you on Wednesday. Then you got Friday for SmackDown. Then you got the YouTube shit. And you're going to try and squeeze all of these stories into all this television and YouTube and expect people to watch it all. My only yeah. question is, will Zack Ryder finally be on TV? No. <laughs> that is all. I mean, you Ryback can't, put him, you can't put him on TV when he's on his hometown. Dude, uh-huh. Ryback ate him. Ryback ate him. Ryback ate him, dude. Well, but he never fought Ryback. Well, he may. Ryback that's because never he'll never he'll never fight Ryback. Not at this point. That'll probably be a feud that they'll do later on with him on and uh, Zack Ryder. Yeah, on YouTube. But the the last two news stories are definitely going to get a, a chuckle out of you guys. Uh, first up, <laughs> Teddy Long is going to be the GM for both Raw and SmackDown next week. Which I'm sure, you know, it's going to have tag team matches and him dancing around in his little Mr. Peanut outfit. And I'm Mr. Peanut. And, and the last one, which was actually in a New York newspaper. This is how serious this is. WCNC in North Carolina reports that Charlotte police were called to the condo of Ric Flair and his wife at 940 earlier this week following an altercation where Beams assaulted Flair. Rick Flair isn't the only one with woman problems. Rick Flair got Aww. beat up by his wife. Yes, <laughs> neither was arrested or hospitalized. Back in 2010, uh, Jacqueline Beams was arrested for punching Flair in the face. Oh my god! And was charged with assault. The district attorney later dropped those charges. Beams was also arrested and charged with a DWI and reckless driving, March 31st, 2012. Um, isn't Ric Flair, like, a professional wrestler? I mean, I know it's fake, but come on, man. He's yeah, the dirt. also, like, 6,000 <laughs> years old. You gotta know how to defend yourself, dude. Dirtiest player in the game. Fan, dude. I don't know. Dirtiest come player on. in the game. He should have kicked her in the box. <laughs> the uppercut. That's it. Kick her in the box and just be like, Woo! Styling and profiling! Woo! Woo! You on the floor, bitch! Woo! And just fucking just have a stroke and fall on her. And then um, Vince McMahon will make fun of him on Raw. Oh, yeah. You know, he did it to fucking poor JR. But the the thing with Ric Flair, he has like 12 wives, owes a fuckload of money. That motherfucker's going to wrestle till he's dead. And even when he's dead, they're going to attach strings to him and just put him in marionette matches. Because th- that's, how, that's how deep in the hole he is. He's paying child support out the fucking ass. And supposedly, TNA uh, released him from the company... But he has a non-compete clause, so he can't even go back to the WWE. For how long? I don't know. I haven't. I haven't found the details for the non-compete yet. But yeah, it's hard out here for a pimp, man. You know that. Yeah. Well, Ric Flair getting his ass beat by his wife. It's like fuck it. That should be the main event at WrestleMania. <laughs> Put it on Raw. It's better than anything else they're playing. Shit, Flair and his Flair and his wife in a fucking inferno match. <laughs> Versus the Druid. Versus, versus the Druid and Ryback. Crazy Dave is your ref. <laughs> but um, counts anywhere. But that's actually going to wrap up. Anywhere is right. There you go. 
To wrap up the wrestling segment, of course, you can follow Quark and Blade on Twitter. Uh, John U. Better. Butler, John U. Butler for Blade, and uh, MTR Quark for the captain. It would also be nice if uh, you know fans like commented on articles and stuff. You know, just, just three hundred and fifty views for Hunico, and not a single comment. Yes, really, guys. Ladies, really, ladies and gentlemen, unique. Quark and Blade and you are very can't upset. Even say good job. We suffered through this bullshit, the, the bullshit like the woo woo wookie and. He's For you people. No, Heath Slater's awesome. Like, you guys can't even comment and be like, yo, this shit's funny. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, the boys the that boys are awesome. highly the boys are highly upset with our uh with our audience because they put in a lot of work for Buried and uh yeah. We made a storyline in an article. A storyline. A fucking storyline. And nothing. Yo, so I, I, that shit was not a story, nigga. I was trapped. <laughs> trapped. Ladies and gentlemen, show show these poor fuckers some love, please, because they may just end up burying each each other. And um, oh, we'll I, be back with more whining. But I uh, I need them around. So um, will we be seeing a buried next Monday? Yo, I will be writing one tomorrow for SmackDown, dog. All right. Well, there you go, ladies and gents. Blade and Quark are back. Anything else you got to add, guys? Perfect. Uh, perfect, you the sexy bitch, and uh, buy Lego Batman. That is all. There you go. All right, guys. Thanks for helping me out with the wrestling segment. Peace. Bye. Peace. There you go. Follow Blade and Quark on Twitter. Of course, I will make sure to note that in the Follow Friday if you're following MTR on Twitter at My Take Radio. So, with that said, wrestling segment is in the bank. Let's talk some video games right after this. My Take Radio's video game segment is brought to you by Gamefly. Rent all the hottest games and keep them for as long as you want, including PC games. The lowest plan starts at $5.95. If you've been a longtime reader of MyTakeRadio.com, you know that we do the Gamefly Q review. The last game that I actually got was You Don't Know Jack, which which was a complete festering, steaming pile of cat shit. Not even human shit, but cat shit. Anybody who said that that game was remotely entertaining should be castrated with rusty scissors. That game was shit. I'm sorry. And I rent a lot of shit from Gamefly that sucks, but that game was abysmal. Nonetheless, that doesn't detract from the fact that Gamefly is an awesome service. Get games for your PS3, Xbox 360, 3DS, and even for your PC. Head over to Gamefly.com for more details. Let's get into the video game news for this week. First off... Super Smash Brothers is going to have an assist from our friends at Namco Bandai. They're going to be throwing in a couple of characters in there to kind of flesh out the Smash Brothers series, which will be making its appearance on the 3DS and the Wii U. In some other Nintendo news, of course, last week we talked about the 3DS XL, and boy, do I have a wonderful news story to add to that. But before I get into it, Nintendo did confirm a North American release for Kirby's Dream Collection for the Wii. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, they are still making games for the Wii. You can expect it on September 16th in North America. It's going to come with Kirby's Dreamland 1, 2, and 3, Kirby's Adventure, Kirby Superstar, and Kirby 64. In addition to the collection, you're also going to be getting a soundtrack, 
some new content, and some challenge stages as well. So there you go, ladies and gents. Kirby will be making his debut on the Wii before the Wii fucking rides off into the sunset. In some movie tie-in news coming soon, reports that Activision and Disney will be producing and distributing a game based on Wreck-It Ralph. The game is going to serve as an extension to the story in the film, which will be released November 2nd. It's going to be an arcade-style side-scroller with Ralph trying to prove that he can be a hero after appearing as a villain in the game. It's coming out for the Wii, Nintendo 3DS, and the Nintendo DS as well. So for those of you that have seen the trailer for Wreck-It Ralph, it's, a, it's obviously a no-brainer that you are going to be getting a game as well. We got some serious DLC that dropped earlier this week. For those of you that are fans of Mass Effect, Mass Effect 3's extended cut has been released. And to some extent, fixed the ending a little bit. The content is free to download. It takes up almost 2 gigs in memory, so make sure you got some time and some space to download this one. The other one, of course, is for Skyrim, which is Dawn Guard. Uh, that content is huge, though, and it's 1,600 Microsoft points. So those are the two big DLCs that dropped this week. I'm sure Blade and Quark are going to share their thoughts on Mass Effect 3 because they are huge Mass Effect 3 fan, well, huge Mass Effect fans in general, and, of course, Skyrim Dawnguard. So be on the lookout for any stuff from those guys relating to both pieces of DLC. In some sales news, Capcom has announced that Dragon's Dogma has moved over a million units. The title, which sold at least 330,000 copies in Japan's, excuse me, in Japan's, in Japan, looks to be a keeper going forward with over a million copies. Now, let's get into this, this 3DS Excel situation. Obviously, last week, Quark informed me that Nintendo announced the 3DS Excel. Slick lent me the assist on promptly shitting on this console but you know what the level of shitting that i expressed last week can only be magnified further by this tidbit of information famitsu is reporting that the 3ds xl will be getting a bigger circle pad pro attachment later this year don't even don't even adjust your dial you heard this correct instead of building the brand new system with the extra fucking analog stick, they're going to release a larger Circle Pad Pro attachment that you're still going to have to buy. Still. These fucking shitheads in Nintendo. I really just don't understand where they get the logic to do what they're doing. Because the fact remains that they had the opportunity to add the analog stick to the system with minimal fuss. There is space on that system that begs, begs for it to have an analog stick there. It's insane. I I just don't understand what the fuck is going on. Seriously. Like, I don't know who in Nintendo's fucking brain trust thinks that this is a good idea. Not to mention the fact that now you have the DS Lite, the DS Lite XL, the 3DS... And the 3DS Excel. Seriously, as much as they try to tell you that the 3DS is your your flag-bearing system, you can still buy the other fucking consoles. It's insane. It's like, yeah, we're going to give you this big Circle Pad Pro to go with this bigger 3DS. Which, you know, there's no, there's no biggie that we're releasing it. We don't give a fuck about you guys. And the funny thing is, I was having a conversation with, with Josh, one of one of our staffers. 
And we came to an amazing realization. Nintendo would really do well with their cat with their library if they licensed it out to Apple. And now before anybody thinks that I'm losing my mind, think about this. Nintendo is clearly losing money. They're not in trouble. So before anybody thinks that, that, that I'm saying that they're in trouble, Nintendo lo- lost money because they're nickel and diming their consumers. Now, if they decided to release a virtual console for, say, I don't know, iOS and Android, and I'm not saying to release new games, but I'm saying classic Super Mario Brothers, Donkey Kong, um, you know, Balloon, Balloon Pop or whatever the fuck that other thing is, Ice Climber, shit like that and use that as another revenue generator, they would make a fuckload of money. And and before anybody says that they would cannibalize the 3DS or the DSi XL or whatever handheld gaming they have, they wouldn't. Because I'm not saying for you to release the newest Pokemon, but Super Mario Brothers, Donkey Kong, classic shit like that for a dollar. And then while you sell those games in the mobile marketplace, you'll be able to promote new games. Release the original Kid Icarus and then have a little scrolling banner at the bottom that says, oh, make sure to pick up the new Kid Icarus available for the 3DS. Nintendo really has a a, a strange and antiquated approach towards their business. These fucking guys, I understand, you know, Japan, Japan all day, every day, and that's great. But you got Reggie over there, who, who, who is the face of the American brand, and this fucking guy genuinely thinks that he can convince us to bend over, spread our cheeks, and take it with no lube. That's what's happening. That's really what's fucking happening. Nintendo says, you guys are going to bend over and take it in the ass. Because that's what that's what we think is the best solution for you guys. And it's not. You have a brand new 3DS that's a larger system that has ample space for that second analog stick. Do you realize that once you add that circle pad attachment, you fucking stupid bastards, it's not a portable system anymore? It's the equivalent of carrying a 1980 cell phone in your fucking pocket. That's what it is. Mobile gaming, you fucking jizz bags. Nintendo, no one's going to carry that giant system with that shit attached to it. It's stupid and it's cumbersome. You're going to have to buy a book bag just to cut co- just to carry your 3DS. Seriously, you're going to have to carry a book bag or some kind of small man bag, some small merce or fanny pack or man bag to carry your 3DS because it's going to look ridiculously stupid. I don't I don't I don't get it. I don't get who sat there and co-signed to this. Ooh. And in some other news, the crazy shit is Google I.O. was this week. And for those of you that are that are. Android users, you know that they announced Google's new Jelly Bean operating system plus a Nexus tablet, which is supposed to be $199, quad-core processor, multi-touch, etc., etc., etc. The tablet that is $200 that is competing with the Amazon Kindle has more functionality than the Wii tablet that they're offering with the Wii U, which doesn't even have fucking multi-touch. And it is $199. This begs the question... How much is the Wii U going to fucking cost when it comes out? Nobody nobody thinks about crazy shit like that. Everybody, yeah, we're frustrated about the 3DS. We're frustrated about Nintendo's lack of third-party support. We're disgusted with the fact that Nintendo continues to rehash the same tired franchises. But 
the thing that bothers me is the fact that they have a home system that will be released soon that offers absolutely nothing more than the same rehash shit. That's what it is. Think about it. You're going to buy the Wii U, and it's like, oh, look, you can play Skylanders games by using the tablet and putting the toys on the tablet. All right, that's cool. But guess what? The new Super Mario Brothers, there's nothing new about it. Like I said, put them in a fucking Pikachu costume. Do something. Take it to another level. Give us something fresh. Instead, you give us bigger versions of handheld systems that aren't handheld anymore, and you give us what's supposed to be a revolutionary home system that still relies on fucking friend codes. For, you know, as, as, as far as rumors have dictated. I, I really think that Nintendo's backing themselves into a corner, not only from a retail standpoint, from, but just from consumer loyalty. I know a lot of guys that are ride-or-die hardcore Nintendo fans, and even they tell me that they're questioning their logic. Because they, these are the guys that they went, and day one, they bought the, the 3DS, they bought the DSi XL, they bought the Wii U, the GameCube. These are guys that are, that are hardcore supporters that tell me, they're like, dude, I can't go and buy this bigger 3DS system and then buy the fucking circle pad again. When you could have built the shit in. It, it, it makes no sense. And you know what? I can't blame those guys for being upset. Simple as that. It, it, it's a travesty that Nintendo is really just shooting themselves in the foot. But what the fuck can I do? I'm just a schmuck behind a microphone. Anyway, last bit of Nintendo news. Pokemon Black and White 2 will actually be released in North America October 7th. UK gamers can expect it October 12th. Also, coming out at the same time on the 3DS eShop is the Pokemon Dream Radar. That title is going to be an augmented reality shooter that's going to let players find Pokemon in the areas around them and transfer them into the game. So, basically, for those of you not familiar with augmented reality, you are opening the application, and you're going to play the game, and you're going to point it, say, at a bush... And when you pointed at that bush, a Pokemon may jump out. And of course, you're going to catch him and use him in the game. I think that's a great, great approach. And it's something different and something unique. But number one, it's it feels, in my opinion, to be something that's being implemented too late. Because that should have been something that you should have put out with the 3DS to make people want to use the system more. And make them interact in a more uh, unique situation think about it you see a kid they're saying they're in the park with their parents they're playing the game they point the 3ds at like a tree and you know maybe they maybe they catch a fucking you know forest type pokemon or maybe they point the 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 3ds at a lake and they catch a water type or you know point it at their stove not not put it over their stove but point it at something warm and they get you know fire type the the logic is there and it's a it's a great great thing i have to give them credit where credit is due but you're too fucking late. Augmented reality and cool shit like that should have been things that you put in the 3DS to sell it at the beginning. To make people think that there's something more to it than just the cheesy 3D and a fresh coat of paint. I like the concept. I really do. Aug- augmented reality has a place. And frankly, with a, with a franchise like Pokemon, it's a no-brainer to use that. Seriously. It really is a no-brainer to use that because 
it, it would work so, so well with a series like Pokemon. But again, it, it's too little, too late. Anyway, that's going to wrap up the gaming segment for this week. Let's talk some movies because we got so many fucking things to discuss. And we got some what the fuck movie news as well. Take it away. Why so serious? He comes at me with the knife. Why so serious? Sticks the blade in my mouth. Let's put a smile on that face. And... Why so serious? My Take Radio's movie segment is brought to you by the My Take Radio Amazon affiliate store. Obviously, you go to MyTakeRadio.com, you see all our, all our movie reviews, our game reviews, and even some of the stuff for gadgets and gear. You want to pick that stuff up. You're an Amazon shopper. Do yourselves a favor. Go through the MyTakeRadio Amazon affiliate store or even through some of the Amazon banners at the site. It helps out MTR. You get the reliable service that you've come to expect from Amazon, all for our benefit. Simple as that. Head over to the Amazon well, MTR Amazon Marketplace, either through MyTakeRadio.com or click one of the Amazon banners at the site. Like I said, the same reliable service you've come to expect from Amazon, but you get to help MTR in the process. We got the DVDs that we've reviewed, Blu-rays, gadgets that we review, uh, hardware that we use for the show. So those of you that are fellow internet broadcasters want to want to know what mic we use, you can pick it up through the affiliate store. Uh, the mic arm, the recorders, the mixers, any of that hardware, you can go right through there and pick that up. If you want to check it out, like I said, head over head over to MyTakeRadio.com, click the MTR Amazon affiliate link or one of the Amazon banners, and you can do your shopping that way. First off, want to open it up with some TV news. FX has announced that they are still going to move forward with the TV series based on Powers. Superhero Hype reports that there was some concern that the show had been put on the back burner, but it turns out that those were just rumors and that the show will be proceeding as planned. In some box office news, Brave was easily the number one movie this weekend, scoring $66.7 million. Madagascar 3 was number 2. Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter was number 3. Prometheus was 4. Rock of Ages was 5. Snow White and the Huntsman was 6. That's My Boy was 7, The Avengers was 8, Men in Black 3 was 9, and Seeking a Friend at the End of the World was 10. Couple of things, like I said, I got to see Abe Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, and also Prometheus this weekend. Um, If you want to know a little bit more about the film, make sure to check out Slick's review of Prometheus. I will also be putting up a review this weekend, and also a review for Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Both films, I will say this, were quite enjoyable, so... Be on the lookout for my take on both of those movies. In some sequel news, Movie Hole gave some details regarding the alleged plot for Kick-Ass 2. As of right now, take this as uh, as a rumor. Um, of course, all the cast, Aaron Johnson, Chloe Moretz, Christopher Mintz, are all set to reprise their roles and negotiations are underway to bring Garrett M. Brown back as, you know, Kick-Ass's father. They were saying that his character is set to have a larger role in the sequel. They're also going to be introducing a new character called Uncle Ralph, who is Red Miss Criminal Guardian. So be on the lookout for that. As of right now, the plot is going to center more so around Hit Girl 
and the fact that her identity is already known at this point, and she's going to deal with some uh, mean girls in high school that have some unique powers that are going to make her experience quite difficult. Also, they're going to uh, do a, a side story focusing on Dave and the fact that his identity got revealed as well by somebody close to him. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is what you can expect for Kick-Ass 2. I really enjoyed the first one. Super pumped for it. So I like the direction they're going with it. Of course, you know, Mike Millar and all the people that put the great Kick-Ass 1 comic together have done tremendous things to make the next Kick-Ass just as good. So I am looking forward to it with much interest. Of course, if I get any news on it, I will share it with you guys. In some movie casting news that may be even considered what-the-fuck news, of course, I mentioned earlier on in the wrestling segment that Kevin Nash was going to be in this week's movie segment. Of course, we know that Nash will be appearing in Magic Mike, which will be in theaters this weekend. But besides that, there are very, very strong rumors that indicate that Kevin Nash will be joining the Hunger Games franchise. Nash told USA Today on the red carpet for Magic Mike that he is up for the role for a role in the Hunger Games Catching Fire. He did not say what role he had, but he did tease that I pray he did went on to tease that I pray that it's recurring and that he doesn't get killed. So there you have it. Kevin Nash will be possibly joining the Hunger Games series. That sequel is expected to be in theaters November 22nd, 2013. In some other news, Variety has reported that Sony Pictures will be doing a CGI version of Popeye. As of right now, they're saying that Gendy Tartakovsky, who did the Star Wars Clone Wars, is scheduled to direct the film. Um, Tartakovsky is already working on his feature debut, which is Hotel Transylvania. So he will be lending his director skills to a CGI version of Popeye. Fucking crazy shit, I tell you. In some what-the-fuck movie news, Toby Jaffe recently spoke with Empire about a Starship Troopers reboot. And ladies and gentlemen, you are going to be pissed with this. Because this particular reboot will have less violence. If any of you are familiar with Starship Troopers, you know that the violence was one of the main selling points. It seems that they're going to go with less violence, according to Toby Jaffe. He stated the following. With regards to the violence, the more expensive a film is the harder it is now to make it that violent. With Total Recall in particular, we made a conscious choice to keep it tonally closer to something like Minority Report. It gives the the studio and us as producers the opportunity to reintroduce it in a new way. He was also asked about the concept of jumpsuits. Working in a visual effects renaissance as we are, we have the ability to do much more now. We can do the jumpsuits, for example, which were referenced in the Heinlein novel, but it's going to be something that's going to look interesting since it hasn't been done before. So there you have it. We are rebooting Starship Troopers and we are not going to have it be as violent, but we will see the jumpsuits from the books. So you're going to sacrifice violence for visual effects. Yeah, I'm sure this is going to do tremendous at the box office. Tremendous. In some other movie news, there Walt Disney has been uh, cited to be doing a film based on Big Hero 6, which is going to be an animated feature film. For those not familiar with it, the superhero team is a Japanese group, which included characters such as Silver Samurai, Sunfire, Gogo Tamago, Honey Lemon, Hiro Takachibo, and Baymax. And those characters will be getting the animated treatment 
for The Big Hero 6, which is rumored to be featured and in theaters in late 2013, early 2014. Not sure if that's a a property that'll do well, but it really looks like Disney is embracing hardcore the Marvel property, which leads me into the next bit of movie news for this week, which is the following. Latino Review has posted a couple of rumors saying that they are working on a Guardian of the Galaxy excuse me, Guardians of the Galaxy film that will be added to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. As of right now, they got some stuff which is going to be announced at the San Diego Comic-Con and that the whole reason that Thanos was referenced in the Avengers, spoiler alert, is because he will be a featured character and that the storyline that they will be utilizing will be from the Thanos Imperative. So if you have not read it, I recommend you do because that is an awesome story. What they're saying is that that film will focus on Thanos' appearance in the Avengers and is going to tie into the Avengers 2. So, if you are not familiar with the Guardians of the Galaxy, do yourselves a favor, Wikipedia. Go to your local comic store or bookstore, pick up the Thanos Imperative, because that's all going to tie together. And honestly, I like this approach, where they're trying to introduce these other properties in a subtle manner, but having them tie into the bigger scope of the series, because... Honestly, when you look at a character like Thanos, who has such a a, a huge, huge presence in the Marvel Universe, he is not just a guy that fights the Avengers. He fights a lot of the space heroes. He fights a lot of the the regular teams like the X-Men. These guys usually come together to stop Thanos. The beauty of seeing characters like Guardians of the Galaxy is that we may see finally on the big screen guys like Nova, uh, Rocket Raccoon, which has become a bit of a cult favorite and numerous other characters as well, due to the fact that they are characters utilized in the Guardians of the Galaxy universe. I'm actually really pumped for that, because I think that's a good way to introduce the space side of the Marvel Universe without making it completely suck. That's how I see it. I think by doing it that way, you introduce a brand new universe, you tie it together, you throw in a couple of appearances by guys like Iron Man maybe the Hulk, or even Thor for that matter, or Loki if you want to get crazy, and then you just tie it together full circle. Of course, the San Diego Comic-Con is very, very close, and we're going to get a lot of stuff, hopefully, from our contributors at Insert Geek here, and hopefully this will get revealed as well. I'm really pumped, really enjoying what they're doing with the Marvel Universe, with the Avengers, and the plans to tie all these things together. It's, It's a great way to do it, and it's an awesome way to move the entire Marvel Universe forward in regards to the big screen. It's also been said that there has been a test reel filmed for the Ant-Man movie, which probably may be shown at the San Diego Comic-Con as well. So we got Ant-Man, we got Big Hero 6, we got um, Iron Man 3, Thor 2, Captain America 2, The Avengers 2, and possibly Guardians of the Galaxy As of right now, there's no confirmation that they're going to do another Hulk movie, but considering that Mark Ruffalo has signed on for quite a few films, we may see that as well. So there you have it, guys. That actually wraps up the show for this week. As always, make sure to check out My Take Radio on Facebook, Twitter. Um, So let's just wrap this up. You just heard My Take Radio episode 142 for Thursday, June 28th, 2012. If you want to be a guest on a future episode of MTR, would like to advertise with us, or just have any questions, feel free to email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. 
Of course, you can hit us up on our feedback line, 347-815-0687. That's 347-815-0MTR. Like I said, social media, we're all over it. But become a fan on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash radio. Follow us on Twitter at MyTakeRadio. Check out our boards on Pinterest. You can also look for us on Google+. If you got any generic questions you want to ask about comics, video games, movies, or even about the show, we can also answer them via Sp- Formspring, formspring.me forward slash MyTakeRadio. And of course, pick up the apps for Android and iOS. For Android, you head up, you head into the Amazon Android Marketplace to pick it up there. And of course, for your iOS devices, iTunes is the place to be. Besides hearing 96K episodes there, you get access to exclusive content, mobile wallpapers, and a ton of other cool stuff as well. It's $1.99, cheaper than a Happy Meal, cheaper than Starbucks, and again, it's going to give you the best content for your money. So make sure to check that out. Otherwise, you can always listen to My Take Radio via Stitcher, which also gets the 96K feed of MTR. Blog Talk Radio, Zoom Marketplace, Blueberry. We are also now on TuneIn Radio. So if you have TuneIn Radio on your mobile device, you can listen to My Take Radio that way. And of course, be on the lookout for My Take Radio on Xbox Live in the near future. Last but not least, of course, make sure that if you are getting the shows from iTunes to take a brief second and review the shows, we'd really appreciate it. Helps us move up the rankings. Higher placement on the rankings means more listeners, more listeners mean more fans, more fans means lots of cool shit on the horizon for MTR. So that's going to wrap it up, guys. I will catch you next week. Thanks for your support. Thanks for listening. I'm out. Peace. That's all, folks.